Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Market View on Money FM 89.3. That's right, you're listening to Money FM 89.3. Time now for Market View, where we take a look at how the Singapore stock market is likely to close for the day, the biggest movers, sectors and companies to watch. But as always, a quick recap of how we started. Well, Singapore shares fell at the open today, following overnight losses in global markets. Now, that's especially as US consumer inflation slowed less than expected. In early trade, the Straits Times Index down 1.2% to 3,100 and three points after nearly 72 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Closing numbers are still firming up, but here's what I have on my screen. The Straits Times Index down 0.06% and we're looking at 3,140 points. In terms of value turnover, that's $1.23 billion. The gainers trailed losers 270 versus 282. Top five movers by value we've got here, DBS, OCBC, Singtel, UOB, NSIA, heavily traded securities, C-Trim, Rex International and Thai Beverage. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Capital Land Investment. It set up a new lodging private fund with a target equity size of six hundred million US dollars. Now, elsewhere from Rex International being the hot stock of the day to Rakuten Bank's shares surging almost thirteen percent. Corporate headlines are in focus. Also on the table today, chipmaker Global Foundry's Q1 forecast and news of Walmart reportedly in talks to buy smart TV manufacturer Vizio for over two billion. US dollars. Now joining me on the line as we unpack the developments is Toby Gresham, Investment Counselor Team Lead at City Private Bank. Toby, welcome. Hi Tian Tian, great to be on. Right Toby, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How has the STI fed so far today after US inflation numbers and also securities market turnover value on SGX increased 8% on the monthly basis in January? Any surprises there? Uh, not really. I mean, uh, the U.S. overnight really set the tone and we saw a hotter than expected in inflation data print. And a lot of that was down to sort of broad sh- the shelter component, which has rebounded and, and also a, a degree of healthcare creeping up, too. So, you know, the market in Asia does tend to look at the lead from uh, from the U.S. And immediately what we've seen is Singapore 10-year bonds, they've jumped about 10 basis points and sort of mirroring what we've seen from uh, the U.S. Treasury side. So that, that takes us about from 3% to 3.1%. Now, what is what a higher rates impact? REITs. And mm. a large component of, of the uh, SGX are REITs. And so we've seen them amongst the losers today in the market. Um, again, it's always quite a defensive market, the Singapore market. And so the fact that it's flat today when, when other markets in Asia are down, you know, I think shows that resilience more broadly. Um, in regard to why the SGX uh, turnover volume uh, and that value, a lot of that's just seasonal, actually. I mean, January, a lot of people are getting back into the market and focused on it. And so we, we always see around January time versus December, you see that volume pick up. Right. And let's zoom in on some of the companies to watch. We've got Capital Land Investment here setting up a new lodging private fund, target equity size of 600 million USD. Now, it will be Capital Land's second private fund focusing on service residents and co-living assets. Now, more broadly speaking, not specific to Capland Investment, is this a good time to launch such funds given the high interest rate environment? 
Yeah, look, I think this is quite an interesting space here. Um, and, and a lot of this is it's quite niche. I mean, it's looking at the service and co-living space. And, you know, it's focused on really quite high growth cities. So this for me is, is really around supply and demand. And, you know, we've seen that tightness in, in some of the residential space and that, that in turn with new people and, and a lot of migration moving around then residential and service accommodation as well as co-living, it, it is under increased demand and occupancy has been very high. No surprises that, you know, Capital Land are looking to, to build in, in Singapore, I think Bugis principally, and uh, the Shibuya district in Tokyo, both uh, in close proximity to the CBD. Uh, the fact that they're also looking to do this on the private side, you know, this, this reflects the fact that new listings on any exchange globally have been tough um, in the last few years. We're hoping to see that turn around and um, increased IPO activity already in, in January is pointing to, to us hopefully having troughed on that. But the fact that it's private speaks to the fact that, that they're targeting institutional investors and, and these are long-term assets by nature. Right, and let's stay in Singapore. Toby shares of Rex International down 10% today on heavy trading after the group warned of net loss for FY 2023. Now, I believe that's due to a number of non-cash impairment, but broadly speaking, what is the outlook for oil and gas firms or oil exploration firms like Rex International amid that disruptions we saw in the Red Sea? Yeah, so the Red Sea has caused, I mean, goes without saying, huge disruption. I think around 12% of trade goes through that that particular um, path and through the canal. So, I mean, it gives you an idea on how impactful that can be. Um, if you look at the U.S. and oil and gas, you know, I think year to date, it's uh, slightly down on the U.S. oil and gas sector. And that plays against the S&P up around 3.5%. Um, interestingly, though, you know, we have seen oil prices, you know, not that materially impact by what's going on. And that's partly because although the cost of transporting dry and wet cargo, uh, you know, and, and the indices that we've seen, they they have been materially impacted by that um, effective closing, if you like, of the Suez Canal, forcing ships to go round the Cape and take a longer, more expensive trip. However, the, the cargo that they're carrying around with oil and, and Brent prices they remain sort of about $83 on Brent top end of its range. So they haven't really broken out. Why is that? Inventories continue to be pretty high, um, especially in the U.S. And, and globally. So as a result, you know, you aren't seeing too much pressure on the supply side. So, you know, yes, it's been impactful, but not really in the, in the price at the pump when we go to fill up our cars as of yet. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Toby Gresham, investment counsellor team lead at City Private Bank. Elsewhere, Toby, Rakuten Bank's shares jumped the most in more than four months by about 13%. And that's after the Japanese online lender raised its annual profit forecast, a rare boost for its parent company. Now, what is the outlook for Japanese online bankers from now onwards, particularly when we look at the state of the Japanese economy and the likelihood of the BOJ moving away from its ultra-loose monetary policy stance? Yeah, so a lot of, whilst all the other ba- banks and um uh, central banks in the world are worried about inflation. Um, you know, after decades of deflation, the Japanese central bank BOJ is is very much welcoming it. And there's been a lot of conjecture by the markets, not really if, but when they're going to relax this ultra-loose monetary policy stance. We've already seen some of that, their bonds creeping up in, in terms of rates. Now, any move by them, which we do expect that later this year they will rescind this policy, 
um, any sign of, of doing that is going to be a positive for the banks. It, it doesn't really matter if they're online banks or, or mm. bricks and mortar. Um, hiking in rates is, is broadly going to see uplift in, in valuation and profits for the banks. Banks are always slow to pass on the benefits of higher rates to investors. And, and also, as a yield curve normalizes, they benefit from being able to get a higher return at the further end of, of the curve. And so, as a result, you know, any, any move we see here is a positive boon for the Japanese banks. And certainly as a private bank, you know, we're mm. positive and supportive on the Japanese banking sector. Right. And further away, Toby, chipmaker Global Foundries is forecasting first quarter results to come in below market estimates. Now, I think it expects first quarter revenue to be in the range of 1.5 to 1.54 billion USD. Compare that against an analyst's average estimate of 1.76 billion US dollars. Now, that's a bit of so-called supply glut that's starting to show particularly in the automotive industry. How apparent is this oversupply situation in the wider chip industry, though? Any concerns on that front? Yeah, so look, I think it's important to differentiate the, the issues faced by global foundries in, in, in their results. And they're very much focused around the automotive chip sector. And, you know, we only have to think back a number of years ago. And, and you know, there was a risk that likes of Tesla couldn't get enough of these chips. And not surprising when we see this in, in markets, you know, a lot, of, a, a lot of manufacturing focus and supply is put to that. And as a result, we're now seeing a glut of these chips out in the broader market. Um, from that perspective, you know, I think this is specific to the pricing pressure that they're getting in regards to this glut. And we can see some meaningful headwinds in the automotive chip sector going forward. I, I said it was important to differentiate because if you look at the handset story, mm. we're actually positive in that regard into 2024. We see that having bottomed um, last year. And we also, you know, I think when anyone talks around semiconductors and growth, they also think about the AI-specific chips um, that continues to have a shortage and is a huge growth area. So, you know, I think this is specific to this stock, but broadly in the semicon space, um, you know, I think a lot of the, the, the headwinds are, are, are behind them, and mm. we're sort of much more positive on the growth potential, especially for those chip producers who are more focused around the AI technology and data center data set um, chips that are required to look to grow out that particular um, theme. Right. And finally, before we let you go, uh, Toby, the Wall Street Journal reported that well, Walmart is in talks to buy a smart TV manufacturer, Vizio, for more than $2 billion US dollars. Now, if we go by that number, the reported offer price is nearly 30% higher than Vizio's $1.54 billion USD market cap as at the close on Monday. Seems to be a negative for other players selling smart TVs as well. So who are the biggest gainers and losers should Walmart become stronger in its advertising business, particularly with this integration of uh, smart TVs? Yeah, look, I think this is really interesting because on the surface, this just looks like some um, you know, horizontal um, uh, integration and, and, mm. and looking to buy their own brand. However, what, what Walmart are really interested in here is the ability to advertise on this TV set when you turn it on. Mm. and look to, to, to make a connection into their Walmart Connect and their online business. So it may be a 30% premium, but you know, I'm guessing if you can buy ad space, which is an embedded free cost, that, that's going to make it sort of cheapen the price paid. Um, what's interesting is this is becoming a, an increased battleground for, for these large retailers um, in looking to try and buy market um, and consumer data and ad space principally. Um, it's not a new strategy. If I think back with the likes of Microsoft, 
you know, they used to sell computers which had their own operating systems and search engines in them. Um, you know, subsequent Microsoft sold off that hardware business, but it is a tried and tested model. Their main competitor is always going to be a- a Amazon. It's a behemoth, you know, a gorilla in the room mm. in terms of the consumer data and ad space. Um, and we've even seen Amazon looking to, to take this a step further and buy up uh, sports leagues broadcasting rights to allow them to take ad space. So, you know, it's not surprising Walmart's done this. I think it's an innovative way for them to look to grab that ad space business as a, you know, a potential revenue growth um, opportunity into the future. And we expect, expect these trends to accelerate among the larger retailers as they, they look to compete with the growth in e-commerce going forward. All right. Thanks a lot, Toby. That was Toby Gresham, Investment Counselor Team Lead at City Private Bank. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.